You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Yesterday, um, Saturday mornings, there's a prayer time from 8 o'clock to 8.30 in the ministry center. And Pastor Chris knew what I was preaching on, and he had found an illustration. It was so good that it is now the kickoff illustration for this morning. And it comes from a book by Tim Hansel uh, called Holy Sweat. And this is a direct quotation from his book, and it says this. Someone once told me the story about the devil giving a garage sale. He, used selling, he was selling quite a few tools he had used over the centuries. Some were barely used, others a little worn, but one was almost totally worn out. Some bargain-hunting soul picked up the worn-out tool and asked, What's this? And the devil replied, Ooh, this has been my favorite. My favorite tool from the beginning. When nothing else works, I always use this. And he laughed dev- devilishly. The bargain hunter looked close and saw, scratched on the tool side, the word discouragement. Discouragement is something all of us wrestle with, and it is the sworn enemy of perseverance. But perseverance is the gift we're given to remind us we do have options. We can turn failures into personal successes. We can choose another option when all seems impossible. We can work miracles an inch at a time by choosing to keep moving, hoping, and living Life, someone said, is hard by the yard, but it's a cinch by the inch. Okay, is there anybody in here who has never experienced discouragement? Please raise your hand. I want to meet you. Okay. Uh, Every single one of us is either in discouragement, just come out of it, or about to go into it. And so we need to be prepared for discouragement. It is a tool that Satan uses to try to defeat destroy us, and stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Some people might think that if somebody has really, really strong faith, they should never experience discouragement. But when I look at Scripture, I find that that's not true. Because when we look at the passage today, the the gentleman that we're going to look at, the prophet we're going to look at, Elijah, experienced discouragement to the point that he wanted God to just kill him. But how godly was Elijah? He is one of the only two people who never died. So if you're so godly that God says, I'm not going to let you suffer death, and you experience discouragement, I know I'm not that godly. I'm going to die. I should expect to experience discouragement. That's part of what we will experience. We don't have to stay discouraged, though, because God does not abandon us in those times of discouragement. He is always with us. He tells us, he gives us that promise in Matthew 28. But he wants us to persevere through it, and he provides help for us to do so. So I... I'm going to go off message just a little bit here, and I know my wife is going to strangle me. But I shared this morning in James chapter 1, we talk, it says, blessed are those who experience various trials, because when they have persevered through it, when they have endured it, they will receive the crown of life, and and that's a joy. 
So when you're thinking about you're going through this discouragement, the discouragement is not fun, but the growth we can experience as we go through it can provide us strength for the next time or provide strength for the person behind us who's going to go through the same situation, and we can come back and help them out. In 1 Kings 19, we have the story of, of Elijah when he runs away. And I'm going to summarize it. We're running out of time, so I'm going to summarize this passage. So Elijah has just killed all of Baal's prophets on Mount Carmel. He called them together. He had come back into town after a three-year drought, called all of the prophets together. He said, I'm going to challenge you. We'll both make a sacrifice. You, you prophets of Baal, you, you sacrifice your bull on this altar, and you call on, on Baal to burn it up. No matches allowed, no torches, no gasoline. You just have to use prayer to get it. And they, they struggled all day. They're cutting themselves. They're dancing. They're calling out to Baal. Elisha's mocking them. And he says, maybe he's in the porta potty. Yeah. Maybe it's a crowd to cry louder. Maybe he's in the porta potty. And, and they get done, and Elisha sacrifices his bull. He puts it up on the altar, pours water over it. There's a trench around the altar. It's filled with water. And, and he prays to God. God brings down fire from heaven. Bull is gone. The stone altar is gone. The water is gone. It says it even licked up the dust. And, then, and so Elijah turns to the people and he says, grab the prophets of Baal, and he has them slaughtered. So that's what came into the story. Now Elijah is here in, in Samaria, and the queen says, if you're not like those prophets tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to make sure that you're like those prophets tomorrow. So she wanted to turn Elijah into state fair food. Put him on a stick. Okay. So Elijah gets scared. He's just seen all of this. He gets scared and he runs away and he hides. Out of fear. It discourages me. And, he, and if we look in the, in the verses here, it says... When, when he ran away, uh, in verse 10 it says, because uh, the Lord had talked to him, and he says, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. He just wants to die. He said, you know, in, in verse 3, Then Elijah became afraid, immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but when he went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under the broom tree. I think he was hoping that he wouldn't wake up. So as we're going through this passage, we're going to learn a lot about Elijah, and I have three things that we can do today to help ourselves overcome discouragement. And our bumper sticker for today is this, discouragement fades in fellowship. So discouragement fades in fellowship. The three things that we can learn from Elijah in Scripture is the first thing is we must openly and honestly take our pains and frustrations and hurt directly to the throne of God. So if you want to overcome over. Uh, uh, Overcome discouragement. The first thing we need to do is we need to dump our stuff on God. Completely open and honest. Don't hide anything. He knows it all anyway. There's nothing he doesn't know. 
Secondly, we must look for and listen for the voice of God and obey him, trusting that he will not abandon us. And the third thing will be we must join together with others regularly with purpose because isolating ourselves in our pain is the worst thing that we can do. So why do we get discouraged? What are the causes of discouragement? Elisha has just come off this big high. God has provided for him three years by a, uh, as he sat in a brook after he had called down a drought on, on this area. And God has had ravens bring him meat and water in the brook. And when the brook dried up, God sent it back. That's where the story starts. Elijah has seen God answer his prayer miraculously and take this offering. God has done so many things in his life. How does he get discouraged? Well, he gets discouraged because he quits looking at God and starts looking at his circumstances. When we get discouraged, that's when it's going to happen. When we quit looking at God and we start looking at our circumstances. Because he'd already forgotten that God had done this. He said that I alone am left, but he knows that the guy he sent to tell Ahab that he was coming back to town said that he was hiding 50 prophets and feeding them in a cave. So he knows he wasn't the only one left, but he felt like he was the only one left. We get discouraged when we start looking at our circumstances. We need to quit looking at our circumstances and look at God. And Satan wants us to do that. He wants us to look at our circumstances. He wants us to isolate ourselves because Satan, the word tells us, he, he is like a, prowling, a roaring lion and he wants to discourage us so that he can defeat us. He can stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do because oftentimes when we discourage, we do quit. We just give up. Hundreds of pastors a year get discouraged and they quit. Every year, people who were called by God to lead the flock of God, to share the word with people, just give up because they start looking at their circumstances. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Elisha thought his suffering was unique, that he was alone. And so, because of that, he ran and isolated himself. And that's when the Lord came and said to him, you know, Lord, what are, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replies, and he, he says this exact same, so he must have thought about this and rever- rehearsed it over and over. He says this in verse 10, and then if you look further down, I believe it's verse 14, he says exactly the same thing. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have, have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets the sword, with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Satan wants to separate us from the herd. You watch uh, animals of prey. What do they like to do? They like to pick off the weak one. And so they get, they get the whole herd running, and the tired one falls back. And eventually the tired one can't run anymore, so he quits. 
and that the lion or the tiger takes that one out. It's one less in the herd they have to worry about. And that's what Satan wants to do with us. To overcome discouragement in these types of periods, we must openly and honestly take our pains and frustrations and hurt directly to the throne of God. Elijah empties his heart before God. He says, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I can't go on. Just take me, God. We need to do that. When an addict needs help, if he doesn't admit he's got a problem, he will not overcome his addiction. If we think that we are so strong that we can walk through this life and carry the discouragement ourselves, we are bound to fail. We need to take that and dump it in God's lap. And right before the verses about the proud roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 7, comes right before 5, 8, and 9, that says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. The word casting here is this idea of throwing our garments over a, a coal. Just let them go. I'm no longer, not my problem anymore, God. It's in your lap. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to take everything that is bothering us and dump it in his lap and let him be our strength. God cares for us. A week ago, um, Monday, or actually this last Monday, I had just finished working 12 hour, a 12-hour day. Um, I've got a lot of stuff going on at work, and I'm behind. And um, I came home, and I was not done with the work that I needed to do. I brought my computer home, and I'm staring at it. I've got a meeting the next day with corporate leaders where I'm supposed to present some stuff at corporate leaders. My presentation isn't done. And... Um, my brain and my body were so fried, I just could not take another step. I couldn't look at the screen. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. Had no energy left to continue. And I was deeply discouraged. So I, I called out to God first. And then I asked Becky to come in and pray with me. And I did not do anything more that day. I, I, all I did was... I asked Becky to come and pray with me, and I poured out my heart before God and said, Lord, I can't do this. I need your strength. I prayed, went to sleep. Now, what I needed to do still had to be done. I woke up at, I normally go in at, uh, I, I leave home about 4.30 in the morning uh, so that I have an hour and a half before anybody's work. So I, I woke up that day at 3, went in, I was able to finish my presentation. And the presentation was actually kind of a blessing because I got to share with leaders from, from the company that I work for. Uh, these are corporate leaders. One is from Canada. One was from, from Michigan. Uh, that I'm a pastor. As part of my introduction of who I am, I shared that I am a pastor of a Christian church. And, that, uh, and, and so they got to hear that God is one of the things that's important to me. Um, God is so good in that. I threw my frustration and my discouragement in God's lap. My situation didn't change, but my heart did. I woke up with a lighter heart. My brain was able to function. Emotionally, I was stronger. God helped me through that. I will share again later, because I've been going through a series of discouragements related to my work. I'll share again a little bit later. 
But to overcome discouragement, we must look for, listen to, and obey the voice of God, trusting that he will not abandon us. You know, the first part was talking about, really about prayer, dumping things in God's lap through prayer. This is opening God's word, pouring over it in a prayer. If we're going to pick up God's word to read it, one of the best things that we can do is pray that God would speak to us through it before we open it. Ask his Holy Spirit, as I open this, you know, like the little headlights coming out and shine in my eyes and guide me to where I need to be. Help me to see what I'm supposed to see. Help me to learn what I'm supposed to learn. And then help me to apply what I'm learning through his word. So God hears Elijah and he speaks to him and he tells him to go back to doing what prophets do. So if you look in the verses, verses 11 through 15, God tells him, I want you to go anoint this guy king, I want you to anoint this guy king, and I want you to grab Elisha, he's going to become your sidekick. He's going to be your replacement when you're done. And so God sends Elisha out. God, Elisha uh, listens to God's voice. But how does God do this? God has him walk 40 days and 40 nights to a mountain and God says, I'm going to show myself to you there. So he hides in a crack in the mountain. And first God sends this huge, um, I think it's a wind first, that's tearing the cliffs down. So this isn't just your ordinary wind that's just making the leaves flutter. No, this is causing rocks to fall off the mountain. And then he sends an earthquake, and it shakes the whole mountain. And then there's a fire. But God wasn't in any of that. And then God speaks in a gentle whisper to him, and he comes out in face covered with his mantle. So often we look at the, the things that are shaking our world apart instead of listening to the voice, that quiet voice of God. And so we need to take our eyes off the things that are shaking our world apart and listen for that voice of God. And that's why we have to open his word. That's why we, we need to gather together and, and hear it preached. That's why we need to make sure that we're praying as we're opening his word so that we can hear his voice. We're not called to focus on the chaos and the turmoil that may attack our lives or surround us, but on the overwhelming power of the word of God. And how powerful is the word of God? He spoke and it came to be. Out of nothing, ex nihilo, the world and our universe was created when God spoke. That's how powerful the word of God is. Elijah listened to God's word and he obeyed. And it's when we obey God's word that we find the power of God's word working in our lives. When we submit and commit to obeying to God's word, obeying God's word, his power will be displayed in our lives. God told Elijah to go back and do what prophets do. He anoints the kings, but he also starts training a successor. The answer was not to give up and hide. Satan wants us to give up and hide. We are called to fulfill our purpose. We are to go forward, and we can do so because we are empowered by the one who sends us. It is by his command, the word of the Almighty God. To overcome discouragement, we must also join together with others with, regularly with purpose. Isolating ourselves in our pain is the worst thing we can do. 
Elijah needed a partner, someone to train, someone to encourage him. This person was Elijah. When you read the story, before he laid down under the broom tree, he, he left his assistant behind. That's when discouragement hit him full. Elijah was not called. Elijah was not called to be the Lone Ranger. That's kind of funny that we call him the Lone Ranger. Even the Lone Ranger had a sidekick, Tonto, right? If you're old enough to remember that, if one of us old people. Um, Jesus had 12 disciples. When he was particularly troubled, he called upon three of them to join him in prayer in Gethsemane. Paul had Timothy and others. We, need, we each need somebody to be an encourager for us and for us to encourage. Discouragement's an interesting word because the root word, if you look at discourage, is courage. So discourage means then to remove courage. Courage is the ability to act in the face of difficult circumstances. Now, this is my definition, not a dictionary definition, but when I look at courage, it's the ability to act in the face of difficult circumstances, to make the right choices. Discouragement removes that ability. It paralyzes us. And courage has the same root word, courage. And it's, the, it's to add the ability to act in the face of difficult circumstances. Elijah became discouraged when he was alone. We are not designed to be alone. I'm an introvert. I gain energy. I have to take time to be away from people. But you know what? I need people to encourage me as well. When we are connected to one another, it is much harder for Satan to isolate, discourage, and destroy us. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Provoke. This is kind of poke with the cattle prod, right? Okay, we're some cattle prod people to do the good works that God has called them to do because we want to give up. And God is saying, no, we need to provoke one another to do that. Gathering together with the purpose of encouraging one another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep, alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. The more that we gather together, the bigger our group, the stronger we are. Um, TV church is great for when you can't make church, but the personal relationships of gathering together in small groups or church give us strength and encourage us, and it also encourages the leaders. When we are together, we can pick each other up when we fall. Every single one of us is going to struggle at some point in time with a sin. If there's nobody there to pick you up, how are you going to find strength to recover from it? We can help each other when we have a need. We will all have times when we have needs, whether they're physical, monetary, um, whatever it is, emotional. We're going to have needs. We need each other to protect, 
to, to help one another when we have a need. We can protect each other from an attack. We can stand together in face of discouragement. I'm going to use myself and a couple people as illustration um, and, uh, about why I believe small groups are important and how you can do this. Uh, and Jenny and Eric, I hope you're not too embarrassed, but uh, two weeks ago, uh, they're in a small group with my wife and I. Two weeks ago on a Thursday night, I had just had a long day at work, and I was frustrated and discouraged. I didn't even really, wasn't sure I wanted to have small group that night, but I, I knew that I should, and, and so we met. And what happened in the small group was nothing out of the ordinary. We, we did our study. We shared about what's going on in our lives. We prayed for one another. But I tell you what, I was so changed at the end of that small group, from my, my discouragement to my heart was just filled with joy. The last Sunday, as they were leaving, they were almost to their, you know, try, trying to get to their car. I had to grab them and tell them about it because it had been so encouraging for me. I find the same encouragement on Friday nights with our worship team. That is a small group, whether you want to believe it or not. It's a small group. My Saturday morning group, when we meet, I get the same thing. God encourages me. And small groups are one of the best ways that you can be, uh, be encouraged. If you're in a small group, can I just ask you to stand? If you're currently in a small group, men's group, women's group, youth group, kids club. You're looking, yes, yeah, stand up, John and Sheila. You're part of the small group. Dave, these people are all in small group. If you're interested in joining a small group, talk to any one of them. Or talk to me or talk to Becky. Thank you. You can sit down. Let me ask you two questions today. Are you discouraged? And do you want to be encouraged? If so, if you answered yes to either of these, here's what you must do. First of all, openly and honestly take your pains and frustrations and hurt directly to the, to, to the throne of God. Now, this is prayer. Look for, listen to, and obey the voice of God, trusting that he will not abandon us. So we need to look in his word but we need to obey it, follow the instructions that he gives us, and join together with others regularly with a purpose. If we do these things, we will overcome our periods of discouragement and we'll be able to walk through it. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you that you can help us through the discouragement. It may not go away, but Lord, you can give us strength to push through it. I pray that you'd help each one, Lord, to, to handle the discouragement they have and the means that you've provided for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.